Welcome to MoneyMD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Matthew, we are marching on through the holidays here. Um, wow, only a few weeks to Christmas. Hard to believe. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, Thanksgiving, Christmas is a fun time of the year, for sure. Yeah, it really is. And, um, <clears throat> you know, a lot to think about here. A lot to be thankful for, um, quite frankly. That's right. You know, I mean, we've had a uh, uh, somewhat of a recovery year, a great year mm. in the markets from COVID. Uh, you know, it's been quite a recovery. And, um, you know, marching on to Christmas, had a good Thanksgiving um, you know, a lot going on um, football-wise. Uh, gee whiz, I hated to see uh, yeah. Georgia get get beat down a get little rolled. bit, but but yeah. they have another chance at it, right? Yeah, and it's incredible, too, thinking about the Braves winning, possibly Georgia winning yeah. in college football. It'd be really nice to have some local, local wins. It uh, would. It would. That'd be fun. So we'll be anxiously watching the playoffs here right. coming up. Um, and, you know, uh, speaking of a lot to look forward to, um, you know, there's a lot going on with – uh, year in, um, you know, taxes and that sort of stuff. And so we're going to talk a little bit about year in tax planning. Um, you know, seven year in tax planning moves because, you know, this, this is the time of year when there's a few things you can still do mm-hmm. to kind of affect your taxes mm-hmm. for next year. You don't want to let these last few weeks to get away from you here and, uh, miss some, some tax moves. And we have a really unique one coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah in our prescription of the week. So stay tuned to the very end when we cover the prescription of the week, because that one's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to follow that up with the discussion about investing, right? Yeah. And so we'll look at, mm-hmm. um, looking at investing. There are obstacles. We hear them. I'm sure you've felt some of them. So we're going to talk about 10 obstacles to investing and also how to overcome them, what that looks like, and hopefully give you some practical next steps. Yeah, that'll be really important. So you want to stay tuned for that. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 25 years experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Matthew Travis. I'm also an advisor here at the firm and I also have my uh, CFP as well. Yeah, we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. We're up every Friday afternoon. Um, you can check us out on our website, moneymd.net, where you can look at all of our old shows there. Um, we have them categorized going back like 10 years. Well, so a lot couple, of information couple out shows. there. A couple shows out there. So information on every topic you can imagine when it comes to finances. And uh, do check us out on our website. A lot of tools there you can uh, use. Um, you know, there's a, like a planner uh, a retirement projection mm. tool there and and a whole bunch of calculators. Um, you can also link to us there, send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you, and yep. we'll cover those right here on the show. But we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, and this is interesting. Just over 40 years ago, back in 1981, the yield on a 10-year Treasury note closed at an all-time peak of over 15.8%. The yield on the 10-year Treasury note closed uh, in November of this year at 1.58%. Uh, just a dramatic decrease. The all-time low was back in March of last year at just over half a percent. So it's just a, a dramatic wow. decrease since the all-time high just over 40 years ago. 40 years. Yeah, it's a long time. It's been quite a run for for bonds. And so if you were long-term, you know, in bonds over that period of time, you, you got to take advantage of a lot of appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, but now as interest rates start back up, you know, there's the opposite effect. You have depreciation in right. bonds if you're long-term on bonds. So 
Um, you know, it's an interesting cycle we're in. I think now uh, most analysts would tell you that now's the time to be pretty short in bonds right. to limit your interest rate risk as rates start creeping back up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, very interesting. Hard to imagine 15% on a bond yield 40 years ago. Gee wow. is that would have been that would have been quite <laughs> the nice. investment. But uh, those days are gone. Now mm-hmm. we're looking at 1.5% on a 10-year bond. Yeah, yeah so, right. and rates going up from here. So, mm-hmm. so the interesting fact of the week, and that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is seven year-end tax planning moves. Um, and Matthew, this comes out of Forbes. Um, David Rowe, Ray, I think, is the author of this article that this is based on. But wow, I mean, it, it's been another wild, crazy year, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and it's not over yet when it comes to taxes. I mean, Congress are still intent on kind of shaking things up before year in and passing this huge um, bill, this Build Back Better bill, they call it. Um, and that's going to have some implications as well on taxes. Um, but we have to work with the info we have now, right? Mm-hmm. And what we know now, and most of the tax laws aren't going to change in the least. So the, the Build Back Better bill is only going to mm-hmm. affect really high income earners for the most part. There are a few notable exceptions. Um, but, you know, many people this year have kind of seen their incomes jump while Cubs uh, have had inflation. We've had wages going up. But at the same time, some people have retired and seen their incomes drop. Mm. Um, but either way, you know, year in is a great time to kind of do a quick check, do some proactive tax planning to make sure that you're doing all you can to help reduce your taxes for, for, for this year. This year. Yeah. Exactly. And when it comes to um, when your income does shrink or it grows, I mean, what qualifies as allowable deductions may also change along with the federal and state brackets that um, this income falls into. So each year, you know, some proactive tax planning really is imperative if you want to keep your taxes as low as possible. So, yes, there are a few ways you can still minimize your taxes after the New Year's Eve. But um, but most of your tax planning tools will be limited to to, you know, to doing it before the end mm-hmm. of the year. So that's why we're having this this little review. Yeah. And this may not sound like a fun topic, but it, I mean, treat it as a game, you know, treat it as how efficient can we be with taxes? You know, how, how can we minimize taxes most effic- uh, efficiently? Here's one, uh, maxing out retirement account contributions. The number one way to lower your taxable income now or in the future is to contribute as much as possible to your retirement plan. When and how much you can contribute to your retirement plan, it does vary between plans, types of contributions, if it's through your work, um, you know, et cetera. Um, but the good news for those um, who are wanting to invest in an IRA, either a traditional or a Roth, these retirement accounts can be opened and funded all the way to April 15th, 2022 for tax year 2021. Uh, the bad news is that you can only contribute 6000 or 7000 if you're over 50. That will not likely be enough to support uh, your retirement completely. So maybe turn into a work plan as well to, to increase that and, and invest more could be a way to do that. But again, targeting that 15% number for retirement historically has been a good way to save for retirement and also lower your, your tax bill. Yeah, absolutely. And you want to max out your plans, like, you know, your employer plan as well. And, you know, you could put 19500 in your 401k right. if you're under 50, 26000 if you're over 50. So if you're able to do that much, you ought to just look at it, take a quick look this year, make sure that you're maxing those mm-hmm. out for this year. 
if possible. Um, and for those with self-employment income or income that falls comes from a small business, um, you also should check out, you know, like a SEP IRA or a solo 401k plan because these are retirement accounts that allow you to, they have later contribution deadlines, so you can contribute all the way up to tax filing time. Some of them have to be set up now, though. They have to be set up before mm-hmm. the end of the year. Um, and the highest earn- earners may, can also open something like a cash balance pension plan, um, which is another option that allows you to contribute even hundreds of thousands of dollars in um, per year for a while. Um, but they have to be set up before year end. So so that's uh, that's the key there, something to mm-hmm. consider. And then for SEP IRAs, um, you may be able to contribute up to $58,000 for this year. Um, even better, I mean, you have until October 15th the next year to fully fund wow. it, which is the extension date mm-hmm. for taxes when you file your tax return. That assumes you file your taxes with an extension. With an extension. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, but the accounts need to be opened, um, you know, before you file your taxes too. So another option to consider. Um, so, uh, but yeah, there's, there's solo 401k plans, there's SEP IRAs, there's a lot of different options out there. Just make sure you take a look at that and, and you, you choose the one that's right for you. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, thinking about, uh, you know, contributions to, to work plans. Uh, another one is, you know, thinking about withholdings from your paycheck for taxes. There's nothing worse than a big surprise, um, come tax time. Take a moment to see if you have had enough taxes withheld from your paycheck. If you're self-employed, check to make sure you've paid enough quarterly taxes throughout the year. Keep in mind, unemployment benefits are taxable, which will matter to a lot of Americans who have found themselves out of work, um, specifically last year due to COVID. But you know, going forward, um, unemployment is taxable. If you've had a big year for income, you'll want to make sure you are uh, not going to pay a penalty um, by paying at least 90% or 100% of your tax liability for this year or 100% or 110% of your tax liability from last year. If you're under those ranges, there could be a penalty for your for your income taxes. So making sure you have proper um, withholdings from your paychecks going towards taxes, something really good to evaluate come year end. That's exactly right. Yeah, you want to make sure you're penalty proof if you have an unusually high income year, <clears throat> as you mentioned. And to help with that, you can go to a, uh, there's a calculator on the IRS website that can help mm-hmm. you calculate that. Um, for for everybody, so check out those calculators for that. Um, and you also you want to take this. You want to figure out whether you want to take the standard itemized deduction for this year. Um, that's an important uh, part of your planning process because I mean, under the Tax Cuts Job Act from 2017, the vast majority of people are going to choose the standard deduction. Um, Previously, only around 30% of taxpayers filed a Schedule A to itemize, um, which was a significant chunk, about 30%. But however, under the new tax laws that went into effect a few years ago, that number's dropped to just 10%. So 90% of people will take an, uh, a, a standard deduction. They won't itemize. Um, <clears throat> having said that, well, some of that is due to the the SALT cap, which limits your deductions to $10,000 for state and local income taxes. Um, the current bill is looking to raise that limit to $80,000, mm-hmm. that current uh, Build Back Better right. bill that Congress is looking at. Um, but that cap, um, you know, currently is only $10,000. be a big jump. 
That'd go be a from big, 10 to 80. Sure would. That would affect a, a lot of So the, that, would, yeah. that would help a lot of people, yeah. I think, if they pass that. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. With that little piece of the bill. Sure. There's other parts sure. of the bills that could hurt you, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> so, but for uh, t- 2021, for this tax year, the base standard deduction is $12,550 for single filers, and the standard deduction doubles to $25,100 fit from itemizing. And uh, but taking the standard deduction has simplified filing because most people do not need to save receipts for all their mm-hmm. giving and all their expenses and things that they used to qualify as deductions. All the same, you know, it's worth the hassle to itemize your taxes if it saves you money. Mm-hmm. So you want to figure out which category you fall into. And if you are going to itemize and you're going to be over that limit, then, of course, you need to pull all your receipts together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's important. And keeping track of it, too, can be can be. um yeah, it can be cumbersome, but it can also save you some taxes. You're right. Another one is uh, year-end tax loss harvesting or taking tax-free gains. Looking at your investments in your non-retirement accounts, uh, it may make sense to sell some winners or losers depending on your overall tax situation for the year. You can actually realize up to $3,000 in short-term losses to offset 3000 of regular income each year. Unused short-term losses can carry forward for future use, I think it's up to five five years you can carry forward. No, it's, I think it's indefinite. It's unlimited. It's, yeah, yeah, it's for, indefinite for, for carry forward. That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the tax loss harvesting may be tough when the markets are up, but one um, you know area that may be beneficial when the markets are up is actually realizing or recognizing some gains if you're in a 12% bracket. Um, so if you have a brokerage account and you're in the 12% tax bracket, these gains are going to be taxed at 0%. So you know, thinking through tax loss harvesting, or capitalizing on some gains in a very efficient manner. Uh, yeah, just something to evaluate come come year end. Yeah, you only have the end of the year to do that. That's so right. something you need to up. look at and just make sure you take advantage of everything mm-hmm. you can. So mm-hmm. good point. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and so, you know, when it comes to charitable contributions, um, another thing you can do is to, uh, you know, give to charities and take a tax deduction for the money that you give. Um, but you know, a lot of people will be using the standard deduction. So fewer people get to take a deduction for that charitable giving. So one strategy to get around this is called bunching deductions. And that essentially means that you donate several years worth of gifts in a single year, pushing you above that, that $25,100 standard deduction mm. and being able to deduct it. <clears throat> um, and so if you're considering this strategy, um, what you can do is you can look at a donor advised fund and that can make your contributions um, where you can you can give them all at once. You can kind of bunch mm-hmm. them together you can give several years at one time, take the standard deduction or take the itemized deduction for all those contributions. And then you can slowly dole those out to charities over the course of mm-hmm. several years through a donor advised fund. That's, so that's one way of bunching it together. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you could give to charities all at once um, as well, and that might help you too um, if you wanted to give a couple of years at one time. Um, but spreading it out through a donor advised fund really is a great way to take advantage of that. Yeah, and I'll just say with, we have a lot of clients using donor advised funds. It's a very simple process. Um, they make it very easy to, to do mm-hmm. this and then also to distribute to uh, the nonprofits. It does have to be a nonprofit, but yeah, just to add that in, they, they make it very simple to do this, to do the donor advised fund. Yeah, that's right. And uh, some a little more obscure, I guess, technique um, is for business owners. Um, if you have a small business self-employment income, you may be may be eligible for the qualified business interest deduction 
Um, this is known as a, a 199A uh, pass-through deduction. The bottom line is it works out to about 20% of your net income for the business that operates as a pass-through entity, um, and that deduction is limited for people with incomes more than 164000 or, or 329800 for married couples. Um, but for earners, um, you know, near those thresholds of tax planning, may become even more valuable, you know, um, and if so, if this is you, you may be able to get your income low enough to qualify for that, that deduction, um, things like contributing to a 401k plan or, or your solo 401k plan, um, or SEP plan, something like that can help get your adjusted gross income low enough mm-hmm. to be able to qualify for that. So, um, anyway, it's not how much you make, but it's how much you keep, how much you, you're able to save that really makes the difference. So doing a little year in tax planning can help make the tax filing process a little bit easier and following these seven year in tax planning moves, um, should help you to avoid a big tax surprise mm. next year. Um, so, you know, two, two hundred, uh, this year has been a good year for the markets, but it doesn't have to be a bad year for your taxes with a little planning. So make sure you do some proactive planning now to keep more of your hard-earned money um, in your in your pro- pockets. In your pockets, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, and this is a really good question, and I'm sure you've uh, heard of uh, this this the name of this security, but Bitcoin. Uh, we get a lot of questions on Bitcoin, cryptocurrency. What are our thoughts on this? So you'll get a little insight into that with this question. The question is, now that Bitcoin is down below $50,000, should I buy some? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I mean, we, we do get a lot of interest in cyber currencies now that, you know, they've become, you know, they've grown so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, everybody looks at these huge increases and, and naturally gets their attention and, and they want to buy it. And then now that it's dipped a little bit, you know, like 25%, it's gone from the low mid 60s, mid, mid 60,000 mm-hmm. range for Bitcoin down to under 50,000 earlier in the week. I think now it might be back up to like 50. Um, a lot of people are asking that question. You know, should you buy the dip? Should you invest in it? Because they think of the stock market. Sometimes people want to put money in when you, when it dips. Right. right. And there's some logic there because the stock market, you know, has earnings and over time history has shown for over a hundred years, it does eventually has always recovered mm-hmm. and, and made more over time because there's value being created there. That's not true with cyber currencies, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> cyber currencies are, are purely a, a speculative investment. There is no underlying entity value that's creating value yep. there. Um, so I would say, you know, invest at your own risk mm, and peril. Okay. Um, I kind of liken, uh, Bitcoin to an untethered balloon, mm. you know, um, it's you gonna, know, there, who knows where the wind's going to take it, right? It could may go, go up. up, it could go down yeah. and who knows when it'll deflate completely. Mm. Um, I, I think at yeah, some point good. it probably will deflate completely, um, or, or, significantly but um for now yeah i mean it it you really can't it's unpredictable mm-hmm. um whether you know bitcoin's going to go up or down it could go up a lot uh you hear all kind of predictions but i would say certainly do not invest any serious money that you can't afford to lose mm-hmm. in that's good any cyber currency so good question though no doubt very good question all right and that leads up to our next topic here and that is um investing um it's uh 
10 obstacles to investing. Yeah. So we've learned a lot about investing. You know, we, we just mentioned kind of the opposite of Bitcoin really doesn't have much history. There's a lot of history that goes into investing over the past 60 years. Uh, we've seen many breakthroughs in the world of finance. We know that uh, when it comes to studying public markets, um, it's it, we must be grounded in serious acad- academic research. The lessons are clear. Investing in markets is an excellent plan for meeting long-term goals like maximizing your retirement. When you develop a deeper understanding of public markets, you can cultivate a sense of optimism about investing. Two ideas are at the heart of embracing this approach. The first one is markets provide a way for both sides to win. In order to trade, both a buyer and a seller have to agree on a price. If either side felt that the price wasn't meeting his or her needs, they wouldn't trade. So it's a fair marketplace. This is what we mean when we say the market prices are fair. Secondly, markets allow all of us to invest in human ingenuity, and we get paid for it. We want to help as many people as possible access what markets offer and investment opportunities and wealth generation so that they can live better lives. Even though the investment principle, these are very simple, uh, they're not always easy to understand or comprehend or really just embrace because we're human beings, we're very emotional, and we don't uh, always trust academic research. But um, so we've we've heard these uh, 10 obstacles, and I'm sure you have heard them or you feel them. So here are 10 obstacles to investing and how to overcome them. Yeah, I guess this first one is maybe a lack of understanding, but um, uh, basically it is I don't I don't see the point to investing in the first place. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, any decision you make with your money, um, even not investing, is an investment decision involving risk and rewards. Um you're focused on the risk involved in investing, maybe rather than the reward, <clears throat> if that's your position. But you know what you're what you're risking by not what are you risking by not investing? Mm. You know, um, you're risking today's money having less value in the future due to inflation, and we certainly know f- inflation is real now, right? right. We've had you know five or six percent this year, so. Um, so you're you're missing out on the magic of compounding, um, which Albert Einstein. Um, is famous having described it as the eighth wonder of the world, you know. So assuming a 10% return, as the S&P 500 has historically returned over about 80 years, you know, money invested in the stock market doubles about every seven years. So, yeah, I mean, you're forgetting that the diversification, spreading your investments over a large number of companies is a powerful way to minimize risk. The risk, you know, can be managed. I mean, you can't eliminate it. There mm-hmm. is always risk with investing, but you can help manage it. So when it comes to your personal goals, I mean, everything's a trade-off. Most people don't have enough money saved to, to be able to live adequately in retirement without earning mm-hmm. some kind of significant return with their investment and beating inflation. So in the simplest terms, you know, by not investing – you risk outliving your money. There's always a trade-off between risk and reward. Mm. Um, so you have to make a conscious decision about that and, and an informed decision. Yeah, that's good. The second one is, I'm too late. The train has left the station. Um, you know, it's natural to feel regret about decisions that we're unsure about, uh, but it's never too late to invest. Every day we expect the market to go up. Otherwise, investors would find other things to do with their money. So you may say it's too late. We would encourage you. It's not too late. Uh, begin. The third one is when it comes to investment advice, I don't know who I'm supposed to trust. The good news is you don't have to quote unquote trust anyone. No human being can tell you more than the market has already told you through setting prices. If you go back to that example, 
buyers and sellers setting the efficient market of buying and selling securities. Right. Markets are always reacting to new information in real time. So anything we hear on the news, anything we hear um, on you know newspapers, it's it's yesterday's news, meaning um, the markets have already priced those things in that people are talking about. It may seem obvious, but you have to remember there's a difference between fact and opinion. And so we must cultivate a healthy sense of skepticism when it comes to financial um, discussions on TVs and radios and stuff like that. So really the answer is to be diversified, stay invested, and uh, to trust the process of the markets. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> yeah. And the, the next one here is it's too hard to figure out when to get into or out of the market. Um, yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, you know, as human beings, we kind of have this natural urge to, to make transactions, right? right? And to want to get in and out and feel like we have to figure exactly what the timing is of that. But getting into and out of the market is is kind of gambling. You know, it's not really investing. Um so if you treat the market kind of like a casino, like you're, you know, picking stocks and you're attempting to time the market, then you're going to need to be right twice, you know, and in an aim to buy low, sell high, um, that is very, very difficult to do. And okay. you really have to be lucky to do that. Um, but fortunately, you don't need to try to time the market to be to have a great investment experience and to be successful. Um Dr. Eugene Fama, who's a Nobel Prize laureate in economics and sciences, he showed that it is unlikely for anybody to be able to pick the right stock at the right time, especially more than once. Um, the statistics are way against you. That's been studied time and again. Um, so, you know, once you decide to be a long-term investor, the timing debate really is off the table. You don't have to worry about that, you know, and that's a big relief. So when you buy the whole market and you diversify, um, you're investing in the human ingenuity to, to find productive solutions to all the world's problems. And you're going to participate mm. in the growth of those companies that are that are solving these problems that are growing over time and creating real value. So you don't have to try to time it. You just need to get in there and 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 be part of the the part of the mm. uh, you know the momentum momentum of the market. Yeah, and that's that. It really takes the emotion out of it at that point. So, and that goes right. into the fifth one. I'm afraid I'm uh, I'm going to lose it all. If you're lucky enough to live a long time, you will face big down markets. It's not something we hide, or it's not something the data doesn't show. It shows that um, you're you're more likely to lose it all with concentrated investments than with a diversified portfolio. The markets have been around for almost a century with an average rate of return of, you know, in the 10% range and has never lost more than 43% in a year in a diversified portfolio. So, you know, that, that fear is, is real. There are down markets, but, you know, being diversified does help with that. The sixth one, I don't know what I don't know. And that makes me nervous. And we would say it's okay to be nervous. Investing is, um, it can be new. If it were a slam dunk, there wouldn't be a positive expected payoff. In order for an investment to offer the possibility of a return above money market funds, it needs to carry risk. Again, going back to the risk return trade-off. If it's all in cash, there's no risk, but there's no return. If you're all in, you know, the markets, there's a higher risk, but over time there's a there's a higher return. Yeah, that's exactly right. <clears throat> that's good. Yeah, next one here is I only want to invest in companies that I'm familiar with. Well, you know, the stock market contains all the publicly traded companies that are out there. So every company has an incentive to do better, you know, investing in human potential across the broad range of companies is more likely to pay off than trying to predict which individual company will perform best. And whether or not you're familiar with the company really has no bearing on it. Um, 
So if you diversify, you don't have to be familiar with the individual mm. companies. And that's really the academic way to invest is spread your money out. Don't worry about, you know, uh, trying to understand the companies and what they're doing. If you spread it out in thousands of companies, then you diversify the risk of picking the wrong company. Um, the next uh, uh, objection is I'm afraid there's going to be another financial crisis. Well, yeah, there probably will be. You know, I mean, history shows us that there's always going to be another financial crisis and there's going to be another, another recovery mm -hmm. as well. You know, so every crisis has a different cause. Um, so, it, you know, it feels different every time. But the markets have always delivered a positive return over time. Um, you know, a crisis by definition are, are not predictable. Mm -hmm. um, markets are forward looking. They and they remind us of the power of human resilience and they do come back they have always recovered from every crisis including the great depression out there and then the and the ninth one here is i'm overwhelmed it's just too much to think about um well yeah i mean inertia is a powerful force you know and, and thinking a little bit about it right now you know means worrying a lot about it, a lot less in the future mm -hmm. um so you know you have to get over that you have to just make a move and and you know, make a decision to, to get invested and, and then, you know, do what it takes to make that happen. But you can't let inertia just keep you static. You know, no decision. I always tell Kathy, you know, no decision is a decision. It's a decision. You know, that's right. You know, if you if you decide just totally to ignore something, that's a decision not to ever change. Mm. Um, we can't let that point. guide our life. You yeah. know, I think you have to make decisions. You have to make the time to get informed and, and move forward. That's really wise. That's good. And then this last one to close this article, I don't have enough money to invest. When it comes to investing for your family's future, there is no minimum. The first and most important step toward investing is saving. It's human nature to procrastinate, and half the battle is just getting started. This can mean paying yourself first by directing a small percentage of each paycheck into a work retirement plan. Putting money aside regularly becomes a feel-good habit like exercise. You can witness your own incremental process and the boost. Um, you can, yeah, you can see it boosting your self-esteem as you see the accounts growing over time. So yeah, that's that. You know, these are really good. Uh, we do hear these from time to time, and right. you know, if if you relate to any of these, you can you can understand it can be challenging. But if you move past these can be really good for you and your family to start investing or to continue investing and to have a good approach to investing in general. And now that we've seen that inflation is real, you know, it's more important than ever to get started, to have your money mm -hmm. keep up with and right. inflation and grow for the future. You know, a savings account isn't going to get You're it losing. done anymore. Yeah. You're losing. So yeah. really important to, to, to identify mm -hmm. what you're hangups are about investing and getting started and go ahead and move forward with it. Yeah. And just to say that that article came from Dimensional Fund Advisors, which is yeah. our um, mutual fund company. But yeah, excellent article. And yeah. yeah, that was good. Yeah. Good information. All right. And that brings us to our last thing. And that is the prescription of the week. Yeah. And this prescription is um, it's so yeah, this was based on the Build uh, Back Better bill uh, that the Senate um, came up with, and it eliminated. They're proposing it to eliminate the backdoor Roth starting in 2022. So the prescription is: if you have after-tax money in your 401k, consider rolling that to a Roth IRA 
before year end. This is not a long time frame. You only have you know three or weeks. so weeks, but right. this is really important. Yeah, if you no doubt that's a great point. Yeah, if you have money sitting in a uh, uh, after tax money sitting in your four hundred one k plan, which many many people do from years gone right. by, where they contributed after tax or they gave over the limit and your company converted it to after tax, um, you need to go ahead and roll that out into a Roth mm-hmm. because. It's probably going to be your last opportunity. People, the, the experts out there think this bill is going to pass and it's right. going to eliminate it starting January 1st. So that money, that after-tax money will be trapped forever as after-tax money. You will not be able to get it in a Roth. So you have a last chance here, a few weeks. Go ahead, roll any after-tax you have over, even if it's only a few thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Get it into a Roth. That's extra money you can get in a tax-free environment That's forever. Right. That's right. So, and if you need help with that, just reach out to us. We'd be glad, glad to help with that. Yeah, absolutely. So that is our prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week. There are more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Um, you can link to us there. You can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Take care. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.